0: I invite you to turn in your Bibles with me to First Kings chapter 18. First Kings chapter 18, and our scripture reading will be verses one through 19 of chapter 18. You remember that um, the northern kingdom of Israel, having been separated from the southern kingdom of Judah, is now presently under the reign of an evil, wicked king, Ahab. And uh, the prophet Elijah had announced in verse 1 of chapter 17 that uh, that, uh, rain uh, and dew would be discontinued there shall be neither dew nor rain these years except by my word famine in that region uh, lasted for over three years and uh, we are coming to the place where after Elijah has uh, been protected and provided for by the Lord uh, by the brook Cherith and then after that using the widow of Zarephath. Um, He has been living in the town of Zarephath with uh, this widow in uh, the region of Sidon, which is where Jezebel uh, comes from. Uh, It is the seat of Baal worship. And uh, uh, Ahab has been searching high and low for Elijah and uh, has not been able to find him. He's right there uh, in uh, Zarephath. And uh, the days of the famine are drawing to an end, and the Lord is directing the affairs of his people in such a way that there will be uh, a great confrontation to answer the question, who is God? Is it Yahweh, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of the Exodus, or is it Baal? And uh, we are not going to be dealing tonight with all of chapter 18, but just with the very first part as these events are beginning to unfold. And um, we're going to see that uh, Ahab as a king is made to look small and insignificant as the Lord, the God, the king, the creator, shows his way of directing the affairs of men, uh, giving them uh, commands, having them be obeyed, and eventually, uh, next week, we'll be looking at the direct confrontation that takes place on top of Mount Carmel. Tonight, we are looking at uh, verses 1 through 19, and the initial uh, confrontation that Prophet Elijah has with Ahab. Hear the word of God. After many days, the word of the Lord came to Elijah in the third year, saying, Go, show yourself to Ahab, and I will send rain upon the earth. So Elijah went to show himself to Ahab. And now the famine was severe in Samaria, and Ahab called Obadiah, who was over the household. Now Obadiah feared the Lord greatly, and when Jezebel cut off the prophets of the Lord, Obadiah took a hundred prophets and hid them by fifties in a cave and fed them with bread and water. They have said to Obadiah, go through the land to all the springs of water and to all all the valleys, perhaps we may find grass and save the horses and the mules alive, and not lose some of the animals." So they divided the land between them to pass through it. Ahab went in one direction, and Obadiah went in another direction by himself. And as Obadiah was on the way, behold, Elijah met him. And Obadiah recognized him and fell on his face. And he said, Is it you, my Lord, Elijah? And he answered him, It is I. Go, tell your Lord, behold, Elijah is here. He said, How have I sinned that you would give your servant into the hand of Ahab to kill me? As the Lord your God lives, there is no nation or kingdom where my Lord has not sent to seek you. And when they would say he is not here, he would take an oath of the kingdom or nation that they had not found you. And now... They say, and now you say, go tell your Lord, behold, Elijah is here. As soon as I have gone from you, the spirit of the Lord will carry you. I know not where. So when I come to tell Ahab and he cannot find you, he will kill me. Although I, your servant, have feared the Lord from my youth. Has it not been told, my Lord, that I what I did when Jezebel killed the prophets of the Lord How I hid a hundred men of the Lord's prophets by fifties in caves and fed them with bread and water. And now you say, go, tell your Lord, behold, Elijah is here, and he will kill me. And Elijah said, as the Lord of hosts lives before whom I stand, I will surely show myself to him today. So Obadiah went to meet, meet Ahab and told him. And Ahab went to meet Elijah. When Ahab saw Elijah, Ahab said to him, Is it you, you troubler of Israel? And he answered, I have not troubled Israel, but you have, and your father's house because you have abandoned the commandments of the Lord and followed the Baals. Now therefore send and gather all Israel to me at Mount Carmel and the 450 prophets of Baal and the 400 prophets of Asherah who eat at Jezebel's table. So ends the reading of God's word, let us pray. Eternal God, our heavenly Father, we do Acknowledge that this uh, passage from uh, this book of the Old Testament telling us of your dealings with your people under the kings, both of Judah and of Israel, reveals to us your great power and your majesty and your might and your control. We Thank you, O God, that uh, you have given us this word. <clears throat> we do pray that you would help us to receive from it that which you have for us help the one who preaches, and help the one who hears, that we may receive your word this night. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. The the chapter or the section of chapter 18 that we have just read uh, contains uh, three commissions in which the word go is used. Uh, you may notice that um, in, in verse 5, actually in verse uh, 1, go show yourself to Ahab. And then in verse 5, go throughout the land to all the springs of water, the words of Ahab to Obadiah. And then we have in verse 8, and he answered him, it is I, go tell your Lord, behold, Elijah is here. So we notice that there are three points in the narrative that we've read where one person says to another, go and do this. Also notice that um, you'll you'll notice that uh, the difference in the reaction that uh, uh, Elijah gets from Obadiah uh, when Obadiah sees him and recognizes him, he falls to the With his face to the ground and says is that you elijah he says calls him my lord and then you notice that uh, just a little farther down uh ahab the same words are repeated just about except for what is said ahab said is that you you troubler of israel and so i as i thought about how to uh, divide this text, I want to just notice, first of all, the three commissions that are given. Secondly, a faithful servant of the Lord, Obadiah. Thirdly, Obadiah's struggle of faith. And fourthly, a wicked king confronted with the truth. So first, the three commissions that are given. Second, a faithful servant of the Lord, Obadiah, uh, a servant of the word. And then thirdly, Obadiah's struggle of faith. And then finally, Ahab, an evil king, confronted with the truth. Notice that the Lord um, here in this passage wants us to see that uh, things had come to a very bad state in the northern kingdom of Israel. The, se- the famine was severe. Uh, we see that in verse 2. Now the famine was severe in Samaria. And uh, we are given a scene that is meant to show us exactly how severe it was. There had been many no doubt, in the northern kingdom of Israel, who had died of starvation. There had been a great deal of suffering. And uh, the prophet Elijah's word that there would be no rain or dew meant that this was a severe drought because there was not only not rain, but there would be no nighttime dew. The ground was dry. And the resource of food was scarce and, uh, and this is meant to be a direct uh, is meant to hit directly by uh, God intends to show that he is the one who controls the rain and uh, the dew it is not Baal it is God and God has announced that through Elijah and the extent of the the drought And the severity of it is seen as we find that Ahab, the king of Israel, and his household uh, steward, Obadiah, uh, go out to find grass. Here you have the king of the northern kingdom of Israel traveling throughout the countryside looking for grass. That's kind of meant to send a message in itself. Ahab's great concern as he searches for grass is meant to be noticed as well. What is foremost in his mind is it the suffering of his people, does he have the heart that David had for the suffering of his people because of David's sin? You remember David crying to the Lord to end the punishment that the Lord was bringing upon his people. Ahab has no such concern. His is that his horses and mules may stay alive. And the word is, in the Hebrew that is used there, is may not be cut off. That they may not die. And so, we see that Elijah is commanded by the Lord to go and to meet Ahab. And you can imagine the hatred uh, that Ahab had for Elijah. He holds Elijah responsible for the great suffering that has gone on in his land. And uh, Elijah was uh, to then uh, go to meet Ahab. And we're told when the Lord in verse 1 says to him, Go, show yourself to Ahab, and I will send rain upon the earth. So the, the ultimate end of this, we know this confrontation with Ahab, will be that rain will come. But the, uh, uh, we're told that Elijah went to show himself to Ahab. It's one of the things that I, I hope you notice, that when um, the text says, when God says to Elijah, go and do something, The text always repeats in the exact same words in the next verse that Elijah went and did exactly in the same language uh, what God commanded him to do. was meant to highlight Elijah's obedience to the Lord. And he goes, and Elijah's a man just like anyone else. We learn that from uh, James, uh, where uh, we're told by James in chapter 5, verse 17, that he had a nature just like ours. You can imagine that Elijah had thoughts about meeting Ahab. What the, what those thoughts might have been uh, would be easy to surmise. Uh, he would expect that Elijah would uh, that uh, Ahab would want Elijah to uh, say the magic words. Do what you have to do. Uh, stop this suffering. Uh, it's your fault and to make Elijah do what he wanted him to do um, to bring about an end uh, to this suffering and so Elijah as he goes to meet Ahab no doubt knew that uh, he is, his life was in great danger and so he did go he was obedient to the Lord even though he knew it was a very dangerous confrontation It's something for us to remember when God would have us to do something that he commands us to do in his word, we ought to do it trusting that the Lord will be with us, that the Lord will protect us in those moments where we are vulnerable. But that's a hard thing for us to do. Don't we imagine all kinds of things? We we play the scene out ahead of time. And we are quite confident that we know uh, that it's going to go a certain way and uh, uh, and and so when we're fearful like that we need to just make sure that we do that which we know the Lord would have us to do regardless of the concerns and the anxiety that we may feel about it so Elijah goes to meet Ahab trusting in the Lord to protect him and to keep him we're introduced in the process to a man by the name of Obadiah who is a faithful servant of the word of God but in a very different way than Elijah who is the main character and he's a prophet of the word of God Obadiah is one of those characters in the Old Testament that we that surprises us Uh, Obadiah is placed in the position though he, we're told that he loved the Lord. And, and, and the text highlights this. Uh, it repeats it uh, t- twice in, the, in accounts. In verse 3, Obadiah feared the Lord. It doesn't just say that he feared the Lord. It says that he feared the Lord greatly. And then later when uh, Obadiah is speaking to Elijah, he tells him that he has feared the Lord from his youth that's a reminder to us a place may be very dark there may be great uh, wickedness throughout the land but here God has placed this man who fears him in the very house of King Ahab and he like Joseph under Pharaoh uh, like Daniel and King Nebuchadnezzar he has gifts that those in power of making decisions about the personnel department uh, notice they they notice that that Obadiah is a man uh, that can be trusted he is a man with enough character uh, that uh, King Ahab will be able to have confidence that he'll manage the things of his house. it's a reminder to us that again Those who fear the Lord greatly and seek to live before him, to be obedient to him, have character qualities that the Lord develops that make them very valuable and useful. I especially would speak to any of you who are young here today. Obadiah feared the Lord greatly from the time that he was young and no doubt God formed him and shaped his character and his personality in such a way that he was able to rise to a position where he could serve even under someone as wicked as Ahab and not serve Ahab but to serve the Lord under Ahab and to be used by the Lord, in that situation, we see that's exactly what happens. Obadiah's great concern is not that the animals will be cut off, but that all of God's prophets may be cut off. And he is goes to great lengths to, uh, when Jezebel is putting the prophets of the Lord to death, to protect them and to hide them. By uh, he took uh, them and hid them by fifties in caves and fed them with bread and water. And you can imagine how scarce bread and water were at this time. Obadiah had access to things that other people didn't have, and the Lord used him and his position to provide for the prophets who were ministers of the word, even in a very wicked place. And it reminds us again how, how wonderful it is, how God places his children. God has placed you in positions that He's placed you in. And He's done that for a purpose. And He wants you to use your gifts, your abilities, and uh, the influence that you have. Each of you have influence. And He wants you to do things for the sake of His kingdom using that influence. That's what Obadiah did use that the gifts that God gives you uh, for the furtherance of his kingdom and especially it is a wonderful testimony to Obadiah that he that he had such put a value upon these men who were so hated by Jezebel he put a value upon them and sought to protect their lives and the Lord used him in that way and not all of the prophets were spared That's one thing that we had to think about. Uh, Obadiah was successful in saving 100, but think of the others that were not uh, spared. Uh, The the Lord uh, had intended for them, uh, they uh, died as martyrs for the sake of their faith in God. And uh, they remind us of the words of Hebrews, where uh, the writer of Hebrews tells us that many were prophets in the Old Testament, were killed with the sword. Many of them were destitute, afflicted, and mistreated, of whom, the writer says, the world was not worthy, wandering about in deserts and mountains and in dens and in caves of the earth. Think of it. Messengers of God Almighty, destitute, wandering, without a place to lay their head. It reminds you that the Lord Jesus Christ came from heaven to earth, did not have a place to lay his head. He also was hated and persecuted and put to death for the sake of his people. So the souls of these men went to heaven, and uh, where they awaited the coming of the Messiah, they now reign with him in glory. So... While Obadiah was successful in saving many, uh, many died as martyrs at that time. And so, uh, Obadiah, then thirdly, we see Obadiah's struggle of faith. The Lord, uh, uh, Ahab and and Obadiah are out uh, looking for grass. And uh, behold, Elijah met him, verse 7. And uh, Obadiah Uh, recognizes Elijah, and he fell on his face, and he said, is it you, my lord, Elijah? And uh, he is excited. He is overjoyed. He recognizes Elijah, and uh, he can't believe his eyes. Is it really you, my lord, Elijah? And Elijah answers him, it is I. Go and tell your lord, behold, Elijah is here. And uh, Obadiah's response is is something to read, and it takes up a fairly significant part of this section, uh, almost ten verses, I think. Uh, he says, well, "How have I sinned that you would give your servant into the hand of Ahab to kill me?" Um, He assumes that, uh, yes, it may be the case that Elijah uh, is here, but how long will he be here? Uh, It's an indefinite time, and he sees in his mind that uh, he's going to go tell Ahab, and Ahab is is going to go out to meet Elijah and Elijah is not going to be there because the Lord by his spirit will have taken him somewhere else I think it was the common practice of the Lord to move uh, prophets and we know that in different other uh, instances in the Bible by the spirit just to move them from place to place and uh, and Obadiah uh, is convinced that uh, if that were to happen that Ahab would have his head in a moment uh, tells you something about uh, uh, that Obadiah lives on, lived on a knife's edge the whole time. Think about it. He's, he, he's uh, subverting uh, the will of uh, Ahab and Jezebel by hiding prophets and feeding them. His life is on the knife's edge. And uh, he's convinced that all it would take is one incident like this and his head would be gone as well. He, he tells uh, Elijah, don't, you know, what have i done that you would want to do this to me and uh you that you would he repeats this i this the phrase that you would have me killed that he will kill me he knows that he uh if if elijah were not to be there at the moment that ahab came that that uh, his own life would be forfeited and so don't we notice something here elijah on the one hand had to be concerned about his life, and the Lord protected Elijah. And now Obadiah is being challenged to do something that may put his life at risk. And uh, the Lord graciously gives Elijah these words in verse 15, as the Lord Lord of hosts lives before whom I stand, I will surely show myself to him today. do you notice the, the difference? In, in the first, he says, tell Ahab that Elijah is here. In this, he says, I will surely show myself to him today. And so Obadiah goes uh, obediently and he, uh, he submits to the command of Elijah to go I can't help but note that this again is a challenge to Obadiah's faith as as each of us realize what it is to be put in a position where our faith is challenged. Are we going to rest and cast our lives upon the word of God and the truth of it, or are we not? Are we going to believe what God says is true and trustworthy? much like what we heard this morning. God's word is true. You can stake your very soul and your life upon it. And so Obadiah is finally, after being reassured, he says, I will do what you command me to do. And he goes to Ahab and he gives him the message, trusting, trusting the word that God gave him through Elijah same thing is true for you and me every day. We're called to believe that what God's word says to us is true. We can trust him in what he says. And it's, 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 an, it's a struggle of faith. Obadiah went through this great struggle, and he's honest, and he goes back and forth with Elijah about it about his fears, but he finally is obedient and he goes. So we look then finally at the confrontation that takes place. So and also just, just as we look at this confrontation with Elijah and Ahab, now with kings, it's usually the case that kings sit upon their throne And subjects come before them is that what's happening here here who is on the throne God Almighty is on the throne and it is Elijah who is telling Ahab to come and meet him and Ahab the king of Israel is going to meet Elijah it's a little bit backwards it's not what you would expect in the behavior of a king, but it's meant to show us that it is the Lord. It is the Lord who is sovereign in all that is happening here. He is the true king. So Ahab sees Elijah and he says to him, is it you, you troubler of Israel? And so uh, he goes forward to uh, meet uh, Elijah he calls him troubler you are a troubler Elijah the word is meant to recall the story of Achan and you remember that when Achan stole uh, those devoted things in the city of Jericho and put them in his tent that when it was discovered he was asked by Joshua why did you bring trouble upon Israel The Lord will bring trouble upon you. It's exactly the same word that is used here. Ahab accuses Elijah of being a troubler of Israel. What's wrong with this? What's wrong with this? The problem is that uh, Ahab is completely unbroken by the trials that he's gone through he has not come to realize that his idolatry is the reason for the suffering in his nation and so he accuses the one who brings god's the announcement of god's judgment upon him because of his sin it is ahab's sin that is the problem it is not elijah It kind of brings to us that whole question, if someone brings to you a message that you don't want to hear, are they the problem or are you? Famine and all the suffering that God brought was a covenantal curse. It was a curse of the covenant that God brought upon his covenant people because of their disobedience to the word of God. The sufferings and the difficulties that we go through. We also find ourselves in situations where the temptation is to blame our circumstances, to blame someone else. And how often have you been tempted to use... This phrase was someone, well know, you made me. But well, the problem is that we need to be looking into our own heart. We need to be asking ourselves, what is my part in this? What have I done? You but have none of that. You may have someone in your life where you have been praying for them. And they're going through some things, they're going through some trials, and you're asking the Lord to reveal himself to them in the midst of their trials. But the heart is only changed by God. It is only broken by God's almighty power. God has to do it. A person can go through all kinds of pain and suffering and be remain as hard and as blind as they were before, insensitive to the cause of it, never giving a thought to their relationship with God. And that's exactly where Ahab is. So when he sees Elijah, it's Elijah's fault. It's not Ahab's fault. Always be aware of that dynamic in your own heart and in your own life. Be aware of that tendency that we have to externalize evil, to make it reside in the other person. We're desperate to do that. It's got to be the other person, not ourselves. So Christians um, are often blamed throughout history, are blamed for the things that go wrong in society. Philip Riken writes this, Ahab's accusation is a sober warning about what happens to God's people in days of judgment. First, the world will shut its ears to God's word. Boy, don't isn't that true? First, the world will shut its ears to God's word. Ahab's practice, the practice of the world that we live in today. Then it will point, Bryken says, an accusatory finger at God's people. So Jezebel did to the prophets of God, and so say he does today. It is his usual playbook to point the finger at God's preachers of God's prophets. Nero, you remember, blamed Christians for the burning of Rome, and he had them executed. Francis Schaeffer says this about that. He says, let us not forget why the christians were killed they were not killed because they worshiped jesus nobody cared who worshiped whom as long as they did not disrupt the unity of the state and the state-centered formal worship of caesar the reason christians were killed says schaefer was because they were rebels to be obedient to God, to follow Christ, is to be a rebel against all that the world commands you to do. That is, that requires you to be disobedient to God, and so to be a Christian is to be a rebel against the wisdom of the world. So Christians are uh, find themselves in that position throughout history. At the time of the Protestant Reformation, John Calvin wrote and those of you who are part of the Calvin study know this because we've been looking at it recently. He wrote the Institutes of the Christian Religion, the very first edition of it, as a manifesto and as a confession to convince King Francis of France to stop the persecution of the Protestants who were being blamed at that time and killed. And so God's people need to know that we live in a time of evil we should expect that the finger may be pointed at us but it is also a warning to us not only that the world will point its finger at christians but it's a warning to us as individuals and i alluded to it a minute ago just as the powers in high places may blame those who love and serve the lord jesus christ So each one of us has a problem with wanting to see that someone else is to blame for our difficulties. You are the troubler of my life. You are the troubler of my soul and my peace, we may say. Perhaps it is anger. Perhaps it is depression. Perhaps it is a marital dispute or some other situation involving strife with someone else. Isn't it usually the case that our first response is to find the source of the problem, not in ourselves, but in others. The Bible teaches us that each one of us is a sinner. And uh, Ahab did not get this. That is why he accused Elijah. And Elijah says to him, no, it is not I who am the troubler but it is you who have abandoned the commandments of the Lord and followed the Baals. Ahab needed to be convicted of his sin, and each one of us needs to be convicted of our sin. And for the part that we play in the controversies in which we take place, we should always be the first to look at God's word and to ask ourselves how we have broken it how we have disobeyed God's commandments and repent, to let our hearts be broken in repentance. Have you done that? Have you experienced that? Have you let your heart be broken by the realization that you have disobeyed God's commandments? But then, to turn to the Lord Jesus Christ, as the one who came to save you. You have a Savior who was himself without any guilt or sin, but he took your guilt upon himself, doing the exact opposite of what we tend to do. He took our guilt upon himself. What does every sin, what does every one of your sins and my sins deserve? The Shorter Catechism says, the wrath and curse of God. The first, one of the questions that we ask members, do you confess yourself to be a sinner, justly deserving of his wrath? Membership questions that we ask, that's one of them. Do you know yourself to justly deserve the wrath of God? Not only the wrath that we experience in this life, but that which is to come, And the next question is this. What does God require of us that we may escape his wrath and the curse that is due to us? God requires of us faith in Jesus Christ. That's what Ahab needed. That's what we need. To repent of our sins and put our faith in Jesus Christ. Would you do that? Do you know yourself to be a sin? Don't allow yourself to be hardened. Don't allow yourself to become callous. That can happen. You go a long time, and that can happen. Turn. Repent of your sins. Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. Rest upon him alone as he is offered to you, even as we will see in just a moment. We observe the Lord's Supper. He is offered to you in the Gospel. Ahab was a hardened man. Let that not be you. Let that not be me. May it be that uh, the trials and the difficulties of our lives bring us to, instead, faith and trust in the Lord Jesus. Let's pray. Our gracious God and Heavenly Father, we do pray that uh, as we are confronted with the Word of God, that it may confront us even sometimes in a way that is painful for us to hear, but that we would not resist it, but submit to it. Help us with that, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's turn in our hymnals and uh, sing... Uh, The first five stanzas of hymn number 539. Let's stand together as we sing. tonight to come before this table and to uh, eat at uh, the table uh, of the Lord to remind us again, once again, of uh, his sacrifice on the cross, of his innocent life, his sinless life, for sinners such as we are, hardened in ourselves, apart from God's grace, uh, unrepentant, in ourselves, apart from God breaking through the stubbornness that is in us all. And